blood, this is for the tears, this is for my pain and my plight. Two walk in, but only one of us is walking out of here tonight. I'm a survivor. Fighting my life. Come on, let's stronger. I will arrive. I'm a survivor. Fighting my life. What is up, people? This is Variety Bites. I am Sean Williams. Yes, I'm back. Took a little bit of an impromptu break, but one that was needed nonetheless. And got quite a few things to talk about, so let's get right to it. Well, it goes without saying that Avengers Endgame was without question the best Marvel movie to date. It gives the term closure a whole new meaning, and this was simply a perfect end to the Infinity Saga. Who would have thought that when you look back to the first Iron Man movie, that that movie would become all that we've seen over the last decade? Marvel took a chance when they made Iron Man, and they took an even bigger chance with Robert Downey Jr., who had his own battles with his personal demons that pretty much destroyed his career, or at the very least left severe damage to it, to the point where nobody was willing to risk hiring him. But God bless John Favreau for being the one who was directing the first Iron Man movie and said that that Robert Downey Jr. was the guy that he wanted to play Tony Stark and give that character life. And he did in so many ways. <laughs> More ways than one, even. And yes, the first movie had Nick Fury and he appeared and teased the idea of the Avengers being brought to the big screen, but nobody was sure what to expect with that one. Then next movie Marvel had was The Incredible Hulk, and it was a marginal success, not a major one, but it sure as hell was a great deal better than that piece of crap that Ang Lee made. I mean, the cast that Ang Lee had for that movie and and all, it was that was not the problem. But anybody could that looked at the casting for that movie, and then the actual movie itself, looked at it and just said, how do you F that up? And maybe it was a blessing in disguise with that one, because while Edward Nor- or with the one they released after the Ang Lee one, I mean, maybe it was a blessing in disguise that while Edward Norton played Bruce Banner in the Incredible Hulk movie, it was a blessing that he didn't carry on into the other Marvel movies from that, that point on. Because we definitely got an upgrade in Mark Ruffalo, who not only fully demonstrated the character of Bruce Banner, but also made it to a point where I can't, really can't see anybody else as that character. And while The Incredible Hulk wasn't a major success, luckily they had Iron Man 2 to regain the momentum, and soon after they had Thor. And then, of course, it led to Captain America, the first Avenger, which Chris, Chris Evans already dipped his toe into the pool that was Marvel, when he played Johnny Storm, a.k.a. the Human Torch, in the Fantastic Four movies. Those movies weren't so good, but his performance as the character was definitely exceptional. But man, oh man, did he bring the character of Steve Rogers to life in both his personality and his all-out nobility and willingness to sacrifice himself in the name of the greater good and preserving the lives of others. At this point with the Avengers, we thought that was the endgame, that this was the ultimate payoff for the movies we saw. 
Then, of course, they introduced Thanos in the end credits of the first movie. And, yeah, we got Captain America the Winter Soldier, which was also where we were introduced to the Russo brothers, who directed that movie. But it also showed us how Steve Rogers was adjusting to the fact that the life he had was 70 years ago, including the girl he loved in Peggy Carter, who was now old and suffering from Alzheimer's disease, which was a heartbreaking scene to watch. Her having to see him alive after all these years over and over again. I'm not going to break down every other movie one by one here, but the beauty of what Marvel has done with these movies is introduce us to heroes that some of us may not have known a whole lot about. I sure as hell didn't know anything about Doctor Strange, or for that matter, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and the same can be said for Ant-Man. But I'll say this for Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch has done a great job in playing the the Sorcerer Supreme, and even matching the look of him as well as his personality. And I don't think we could have asked for anybody better than Paul Rudd, who is just knocking it out of the park as Ant-Man. It was humorous and warm-hearted, and his style in playing the character has been nothing short of amazing. Then, of course, let's talk about Chadwick Boseman, who took on such a historic and culturally impactful role as the Black Panther. The character became such a phenomenon to the point where the words Wakanda forever have taken on a life of its own. And then there's the youngling of the whole bunch in in Tom Holland. Excuse me, Tom Holland. For him to take on a role as major as Spider-Man in his first outing and give it life his own way has been just incredible. Plus it helped that with Spider-Man Homecoming that Marvel just went, you know what, you all know how it began, you all know what happened, so let's cut to the chase. No No origin story, no rebooting of it, it's just he already he's already been there, here he is. And the audience, safe to say, has welcomed him with open arms. Even Chris Hemsworth as Thor has demonstrated his adaptability as an actor, and showing a funnier side of Thor, too. One that is not too overly serious and, let's face it, in the beginning was kind of a bore. But with Endgame, we saw a little bit of more of his humorous side. And despite any criticisms and all the social media trolls that are dumping on her, I've loved how Brie Larson has played Captain Marvel. The effects were there as well as the look, and she adds a new definition to female badass in Marvel. That and the soundtrack for that movie made me feel old as hell. I still feel a little bit old for the fact that I remembered um, Connected by Elastica. Or I'm Only Happy When It Rains by Garbage. Songs that I hadn't thought of in a long time. Hell, Celebrity Skin by Hole. I haven't thought of that band in years. But you know, now that the Infinity Saga has come to an end with Marvel, and we know that Spider-Man Far From Home is the next movie up, what's next for Marvel and that shared universe that they've created? Simple. I don't have the slightest damn clue. And you know what? I'm excited about that. I find it to be a bit of a rush and kind of exhilarating that I don't know what's next. Given, I don't think Marvel is going to be able to duplicate what they've done 
with this whole saga, with whatever saga that they start up. But I haven't, the fact that I'm excited about not knowing, I haven't felt like that since the first Iron Man movie, and it's a feeling that I welcome. So, let the next chapter for the MCU begin. And other stuff, I may have to start a subscription to Hulu. Hulu announced that they will be bringing a Ghost Rider series to Hulu, and it will star Gabriel Luna, who originally played the role of Robbie Reyes, the Ghost Rider on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he will be playing that role once again on the new series. Not only am I in favor of this move, I've been wanting to see it happen since he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I thought the look of the rider was well done, and you can't beat a flaming chain that he swings around. Now I'll admit, I had to adjust to him driving a Dodge Charger instead of a motorcycle. But flaming wheels make all the difference in the world. I was already contemplating a Hulu subscription this summer because of them reviving Veronica Mars. Now I'm even more on board with the idea of trying out Hulu. All I need to do is bring back the gifted, since Fox once again dropped the ball and decided to pull the plug on that show. I mean, what was the reason for that one, Fox? Did you want another ma a masked singer or masked rapper or some stupid reality show or attempt at a game show that nobody is going to want to watch? Come on. And speaking of Fox, Gotham finished the series, the series up last, um, not that long ago. And the only positive that I can take out of it, I'm glad that it's over. The whole last episode was basically an epilogue episode that felt like a rush job. The young Selena Kyle and the young Bruce Wayne were nowhere to be found, and you just have some random guy in a Batman costume that you don't even see until the end. We see a somewhat a older Selena Kyle that we're just expected to get get attached to in the span in the short time frame of an hour and in all honesty I thought I was on board for it but I just was not feeling the way that the Joker looked I mean I wanted to be behind it because I love the actor that's played him thus far but just wasn't feeling it with this one so it didn't go the way that Smallville did obviously because Smallville went ten seasons but it's another superhero show come and gone, but memo to both Marvel and DC, no more prequels. Well, in this case, especially DC. I know that they're toying with the idea of a series based on Alfred Pennyworth, and of course sci-fi has been doing the show Krypton, but enough. Alright, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. So we'll be right back after this, people, so don't go anywhere. This is the real Dwayne Allen of the wrestling realm. And let me tell you what's real. You are listening to Variety Bites with my guy, the shark, Sean Williams. Oh, yes. It definitely just got real. And we're back. Of course, that was my good buddy, Dwayne Allen. Make sure you check out the wrestling realm on YouTube. He's been a longtime friend of mine and one of the most sound wrestling minds that I've had the privilege to talk wrestling with. Alright, I feel like I'll, well, before I get into the next topic, especially since as I'm recording this, it's still Star Wars Day. 
it'd be hard for me to go any further without acknowledging the passing of the great one himself, Peter Mayhew, better known to the rest of us as Chewbacca. You know, and everyone that has worked with him has said just nothing but great things about him. And, I mean, he he died at the age of 74, and... He's had, he's had a lot of health problems, but he really pushed himself as hard as he could to, to make sure that he played Chewbacca at least one more time in Force Awakens, which I think I could speak for the rest of us that we're all eternally grateful that, that, he, that he gave us one more run as Chewbacca. But... It's definitely a sad loss for the, all of us Star Wars fans, and he will be greatly missed. So condolences and thoughts and prayers with the loved ones and friends of both family and friends of Peter Mayhew. Now, I feel like a lot of the shows that I watch are firing blanks this season. Riverdale is losing my interest this season because I find both the Griffins and Gargoyles, the Gargoyle King storyline, along with a storyline centered on the farm cult, it's all too much. It's gotten to the point where I don't care who the Gargoyle King is, and farm this, farm that, to quote Peter Griffin, Oh my god, who the hell cares? And then to recycle even further the Black Hood storyline, and now he's got a hook for a hand. Enough already! That's not the only show that's suffering. I mentioned Gotham and how its final season was a dud, and Arrow seems to have non-stop problems, and one of them is that they can't seem to come up with a strong villain. Season 1, you had Malcolm Merlin. Season 2, you had Deathstroke. Season 3, you had Ra's al Ghul. And, well, after that, that's when everything went completely to hell. I mean, you had, yeah, you had Damien Dark in Season 4, but truthfully, I didn't like the character all that much until Legends of Tomorrow. And Prometheus was an improvement over Damien Dark, but that wasn't much. And of course, Diaz, or the whole hacker, I forget what his name was, in Season in season six, but neither one was really memorable. And now this season you have, as the big evil, Oliver's half-sister, Amiko Queen. Oh, please. Talk about a show where you're just thinking, let's just end this one already. I mean, I know that next season is supposed to be the last and only have ten episodes. At the rate they're going, they can't end this show any sooner. And, you know, the closer it gets to the end, or at least in this case, the season finale, it kind of seems that way also with The Flash. Now, I've been patient, and I've given it every chance that I can, but Cicada, whether it's the male or the female one, sucks. I mean, the only positive I can say about it is that at least it's not the thinker who by all accounts is still going to go down, is probably the worst villain that that show has ever had. 
Now, even looking at the info for the season finale, where it turns out that according to the description, once again, it will be Barry Allen face-to-face with his arch-nemesis, Eobard Thon, the Reverse Flash. With no mention of Cicada whatsoever, which leads me to believe that this villain was so bad that it couldn't even make it to the season finale. Thawne in Season 1 made it to the end. Same with Zoom in Season 2. Savitar in Season 3. And yeah, unfortunately, as much as the Thinker sucked, at least he made it to the end. Hell, I was with all the shows that are firing blanks, I was feeling the same way about Supergirl this season. But it did pull a 180 on me, and I've been loving it ever since. I'm just hoping the other shows I mentioned pick up the pace next season. Now, regarding Supergirl this season, I had issues with in the beginning because I didn't care for the anti-alien theme and National City's neighborhood racist Ben Lockwood, a.k.a. Agent Liberty, played by Sam Witwer, who I've said on his Twitter that he's too good at playing a villain, which he actually seemed to like, so I'll... I'll take that compliment of him liking my tweet and complimenting his ability at playing the bad guy. Now, keep in mind, when I slam on the Lockwood character, I know he's bad and I'm not supposed to like him. But sometimes he narrows to the point, narrows it to the point where I'm wishing I could put my fist through the TV and that when I do that, the punch would actually hit him. But he's not the only one. You also have the president on that show, played by Tron himself, Bruce Boxleitner, who I, who I love and respect, but this president character is a tool, a bit of a prick, and like I said, he joins the list of, next to Ben Lockwood, of people on Supergirl that I would love to sucker punch, but simply for the fact that not only this whole anti-alien stuff, but stop messing with Supergirl. But luckily I ended up right in that Ben Lockwood was not the big evil this season, but that Lex Luthor, played by John Cryer, was the big evil. We haven't seen him for a couple episodes, but God, I'm hoping he returns for the finale because he was just a masterstroke in having him play Lex Luthor. And I gotta say that part of that the part last episode with Nia Nall, played by Nicole Maines as Dreamer, being interviewed by Kara and coming out as not only an alien but also transgender, which Nicole is in real life, was beyond moving and one of my favorite moments this season. She has been a very welcome addition to the show this season and I can't wait to see more of her in season 5. Her performance as that character has been great and reading her stuff on social media that I find, I find her to be a beautiful human being inside and out. So to the crew behind Supergirl, I gotta say that bringing this character to life and having Nicole play this character was perfect in every sense of the word. So with that being said, I'm gonna take one more break. So we'll be right back right after this, people. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Brian H. Waters, host of the Wrestling Room, and you are getting the raw, unfiltered opinion of Sean Williams. Now back to Variety Bites. And we're back. And uh, that was, of course, my good friend Brian Waters. Make sure you check out Break It Down with Brian H. on Right here on Anchor, but also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and various other platforms. 
And, of course, make sure you check out him and Dwayne Allen on the Wrestling Realm on YouTube. Both those guys, have, I can't emphasize enough how, how good, good of friends those guys are. And some of the most sound wrestling talk that you will ever find. So, another thing that made last week a major one for me, besides getting to see Avengers Endgame, was I got to go watch a live podcast of the show Directionally Challenged that is hosted by Vampire Diaries alums Candace King, who played Caroline Forbes on the show, and that character was actually my Vampire Diaries crush, and Kayla Ewell, play, who played Vicki Donovan, and who was the first character I saw killed off on that show, which sucked because I was liking her on it. I even talked with them and told them what their show was meant for me, and they couldn't have been any kinder or sweeter than they were. They even were cool enough to take a picture with yours truly and send a video message for my good friend Kelly. Needless to say, it was the best Tuesday night ever for yours truly. And if there's one thing I've taken from listening to their show, it's the fact that I'm a few years away from turning 40. And there's a lot of things that I haven't figured out in my life and that I even thought I would have had everything figured out, or at least half of the stuff figured out at my age. It's because of them that I realized it's okay to not have all the answers and that I can plan the, until the cows come home, but a lot of times things won't go according to plan. To quote Leonard Snard, a.k.a. Captain Cold from The Flash, make the plan, execute the plan, expect the plan to go off the rails, throw away the plan. Of course, one part I'll throw in that's kind of more me than anything with that. After throw away the plan, make a new one. So as I stand right now, I'm at a point where I'm letting the pieces fall where they, where they will. And whatever comes after, I'll figure out along the way. So to both Candace and Kayla, I can't thank you girls enough. And definitely check out their show, Directionally Challenged. Now a little bit of sports. Watching the NBA playoffs, the one series that I think is a toss-up to where I can't determine a solid pick for a winner is Denver and Portland. Denver has had a hell of a year and this would be a and they would be a threat to anyone in the playoffs. But Portland is definitely not a pushover team and when Damian Lillard goes cold-blooded on that court, he is ruthless. That series is I mean We'll just see what happens at this point, but I was starting to question my picking Milwaukee for the East when the Celtics cracked them in the mouth in Game 1. But it didn't take longer than Game 2 for the Bucks to crack the Celtics right back with the beating they got in Game 2. And then they took Game 3. Now, one other series that to me I feel like was a toss-up, but I feel like I know who I would pick for with that one, unlike Denver and Portland, is the Raptors and the Sixers. Because as good as the Raptors are, I just have this feeling about Philly. I just feel like last year we started to see a young team, a young and hungry team, I should say, on the rise. And I used to think that the Rockets may be the only team that could stop the Warriors from winning three titles in a row, but thus far I'm not even, well even though they did take Game 3 tonight. I just haven't really seen that with this Rockets team. I mean, tonight was a game they needed to win. 
If they lost tonight, then they might as well just kiss a goodbye. But I pondered the idea of the window and whether it was starting to close on the Rockets. But I gotta say, if they lose this series, I would probably go as far as to say that window is completely slammed shut. And of course, everybody is wondering what will become of the Warriors this season, or after this season, since this is the last year you'll have that entire team intact. I just don't see any way you can afford to keep everybody. Curry isn't going anywhere, so we all know that one isn't even a factor. But the one that the Warriors, in my opinion, have to try their best to keep is Kevin Durant. He has been the great equalizer in the playoffs and is just an all-out beast. Never mind Gunslinger, this guy is sporting a cannon when he makes his shots. When he makes his shots, you have to... you Or hell, I'll even go as far as to say his, his, arm, his shooting arm is basically a bazooka. When he makes his shots, I half expect somebody to say, fire in the hole. I know the rumor and innuendo has been that he wants to go to New York, and personally, I really hope that he doesn't. If he wants to win more championships, it will be a long time before the Knicks are at that level. Needless to say, the playoffs are getting interesting, and hell, we're still only in the second round. Now, you didn't think I would go through this episode without talking about Game of Thrones, did you? Not a chance in hell. This episode that we saw on Sunday, the, batter, the battle in Winterfell, this I've never felt my heart racing more than I have ever since I started watching this show. This show made the, the battle at Castle Black and the battle at, of the Bastards look like a play, playground fight at kindergarten. The battle was nothing short of epic, and the whole time you were fearing who would make it out. I was thankful that the Hound survived, because now we will finally get that showdown between him and the Mountain. I knew what would become a Theon Greyjoy, but he finally got something that he's wanted since escaping Ramsay Bolton, and after what he had done to Rob Stark and the rest of the how, rest of House Stark. Redemption. I think he knew what he had to do, and he knew he, and knew he was redeemed when Bran Stark told him, Thank you and that he is a good man. But in the end, it all came down to who many are calling the MVP and the GOAT of Game of Thrones, Arya Stark. She was caught by the Night King when she leaped at him, but caught, but caught her Valerian steel knife before it dropped and stabbed him in the stomach, and just like that, the Night King was shattered, and one by one, the White Walkers all fell, including the reanimated dragon Viserion. Sir Jorah, unfortunately, was one of the casualties, but I feel he died the way he would have wanted to, defending Daenerys Targaryen with his life. Lady Mormont was also a casualty, as she was killed at the hands of a White Walker wildling giant. <laughs> try saying that one five times fast, and no, I'm not even going to try. But at least he, she died killing it. The Red Witch, who re-emerged, also returned and proclaimed to Sir Davos, that she would be dead by dawn. And when the battle was over, she simply walked off to the rising sun, throwing off the necklace that kept her young, and as she walked, her aging body crumbled, and she disintegrated. After an episode like this one, we all need a breather. Hell, between watching Avengers Endgame and then watching this episode, I'm surprised my heart didn't give out. The Great War is now over, but now it's all about sorting through who survived and who didn't, 
And then the only target that remains is Cersei Lannister and King's Landing. Gold Company and Iron Fleet be damned. She's going to have an army of pissed off people and two dragons ready to burn her to the ground. Of course, there's also the factor of now that Jon Snow knows the truth, and so does Danny. what do they do with that? She claimed to be in love with him to when she was talking with Sansa, and now it turns out Jon has been sleeping with his aunt. But it also means he's not a brother to Sansa, Arya, or Bran Stark. The obvious part aside, it shouldn't, it shouldn't really matter. He may be of Targaryen blood, but he is also of Stark blood too. He learned about nobility and honor from Ned Stark, and it's helped make him into the man he is today. We'll have to see what happens, because this is a man who never wanted a throne or a crown, and who has never desired power of any kind. Now that he's the true heir to the Iron Throne, what happens now? Alright, with that being said, people, I'm going to wrap things up for this week. I want to thank you for listening. Follow, follow this show's Instagram handle, at Sean's underscore podcast. Also, um, make sure that if you like what you hear, um, feel free to donate to the show, help keep this thing going. But also... Leave some reviews on Apple Podcasts, and and also, I mean, like I said, all this is all to help keep this the whole thing going. And you can also find me on Twitter at Prime 81 And with that being said, we'll be back next week. This has been Variety Bites. I am Sean Williams, and I am out of here.